You are listening to the Catholic Thinkers Podcast, a free treasury of instruction in the Catholic intellectual tradition. If you enjoy this lecture, please visit us at catholicthinkers.org forward slash donate. Lesson 11, The Crisis of Our Time, reading sections 15 and 16. The background to this question of the crisis of our time, we've seen man is the way of the church, the church is a sign and safeguard of the human person, a guardian and protector of the dignity of the person and the transcendence of the person. Christ died for man so that we may measure up to our supreme calling. But this must be done in the situation today. The church is aware of threats to the human person and all that seems to oppose this endeavor to make human life more human. John Paul speaks about a solicitude about the whole man. And so he asked the question, what is man afraid of? What is modern man afraid of? This is why we turn to the crisis of our time. The beginning point or the principle of the encyclical, the life of Christ Redeemer. And we've considered the incarnation and passion of Christ which are the facts with which he begins. So now turning to the situation of concrete man, that pastoral dimension, the phenomenological or existential one in philosophy, he looks at the obstacles to good human living and wants to name these challenges we face that are at a very deep level so that we can recover our human dignity and our vocation to love. The crisis of our time, in some respect we have lost the very notion of the crisis of our time because every day is a crisis mode for news cycles. There are continual crises that bring uncertainty, fear, curiosity. We'll spend weeks about a missing plane or just constant time and effort on, on a fire or political crisis, the economic, political, and educational and social dimensions of life do have an ongoing crisis. We're inundated with the crisis mentality. So to talk about the crisis of our time, as some classical authors speak, is to take us to the deeper level and root you could say, to find the crisis under all the crises. John Paul II will track a number of issues that persistently cause concern and alarm in the modern world, now on a global scale, as well as on a national and personal one. And he will trace them to some basic principles to discover the fundamental issue is of a spiritual nature. Much like C.S. Lewis in his marvelous book, The Abolition of Man, John Paul II will identify the challenges to human beings that come from the limitations of the modern achievements and modern mentality. To begin with, he will pose questions that he says are being asked with greater or lesser explicitness by thousands of millions of people living in the world today. That's why to get to these questions, he wants to look at 
what affects all people, not just a philosophical few who debate theory. So he observes the following. He says, the man of today seems ever to be under the threat from what he produces, that is to say, from the result of the work of his hands, and even more so of the work of his intellect and the tendency of his will. All too soon, and often in an unforeseeable way, what this manifold activity of man yields is not only subjected to alienation, in the sense that it's simply taken away from the person who produces it, as the Marxists argue, but rather it turns against man himself, at least in part through the indirect consequences of his effects returning on himself. It is or can be directed against him. This seems to make up the main chapter of the drama of present-day human existence in its broadest and universal dimension. Man, therefore, lives increasingly in fear. He is afraid that what he produces, not all of it, of course, or even most of it, but part of it, and precisely that part that contains a special share of his genius and initiative, can radically turn against himself. He is afraid that it can become the means and instrument for an unimaginable self-destruction compared with which all the cataclysms and catastrophes of history known to us seem to fade away. This gives rise to a question, why is it that the power given to man from the beginning by which he was to subdue the earth turns against himself, producing an understandable state of disquiet, of conscious or unconscious fear, and of menace, which in various ways is being communicated to the whole of the present-day world and human family, and is a manifestation under various aspects. This is a long quote, but I think it shows what he's trying to do here. Like C.S. Lewis in Abolition of Man, he asked the same question, does progress, of which man is the author and promoter, make human life more human in every respect? Does it make it more worthy of man? Or does it also lead to degradation? Just as C.S. Lewis pointed to the atomic bomb and the abuse of the media and contraceptives, John Paul II says we need to ask the question, do all these conquests attained until now and those projected for the future for technology, are they in accord with man's moral and spiritual progress? In this context, he asks, is man as man developing and progressing or is he regressing and being degraded in his humanity. In men and in man's world, which in itself is a world of moral good and evil, does good prevail over evil? In men and among men, is there a growth of social love and respect for the rights of others, for every man, nation, and people? Or on the contrary, is there an increase of various degrees of selfishness, exaggerated nationalism, 
instead of an authentic love of country, and also the propensity to dominate others beyond the limits of one's legitimate rights and merits, the propensity to exploit material progress, and that in the technology of production for the exclusive purpose of dominating others and favoring imperialism. That's another long quote from this section, again indicating these are serious questions asked by many throughout the world, exhibiting this fear that our progress also is an opportunity for regress. So let's look more at these signs of the times that indicate a crisis and remind us why the world needs Jesus Christ, the Redeemer of man. These signs are encountered in daily life, as well as in the trends of history, and are a source for fear and anxiety. There are three overall signs he points to. The first is this expansion of technology throughout the world and into every aspect of life. And John Paul II is not the first to observe that the expansion of technology is ambivalent. It opens up possibilities for good and evil. It depends on the proper use of technology. It appeals to man's freedom, which must have a moral guide. We're even more aware now of the potential dangers and threats to human well-being from technology. We know the degradation of the environment. We know there are new types of medical technologies. There are invention of new organic forms. For what purposes will these be used? There is the obvious threat of scientific weapons, which have already been used to slaughter and maim thousands and millions of people. And the world continues to increase its stock of nuclear weapons as more nations build them and acquire them. That is the first sign of the crisis of our time. The second sign of a crisis is the rise of political violence and oppression on a vast scale. Totalitarianism on the right and left, Nazism and Stalinism, both used modern techniques of propaganda social control and violence to enslave entire peoples and classes. Although these were defeated in World War II, forms of political regime or parties embracing these techniques emerge, particularly fueled by political and religious terrorist groups organized on a global scale. The crisis consists not only in the actual threat of these modern ideologies, but the turning of many individuals to a fanatical embrace of such creeds and the apparent failure of the regimes of liberty to give a coherent and persuasive account of their way of life, to defend the dignity of the person, explain the freedom of the person. This is a crisis. And the third sign of the crisis is the widespread and now sometimes novel forms of degradation of the human. Some of these forms are old, economic exploitation, forced prostitution, but the sheer volume and scope of degradation is novel. The massive scale 
of the kidnapping and trafficking of women worldwide, the starvation and genocide of peoples, matched by the apparent indifference and even complicity of so many, is a sign of a very deep, tragic crisis of our time. And then we can add on voluntary self-degradation of man through drug and alcohol abuse, pornography and sexual addictions, consumerism and debt-filled spending, all made possible by economic expansion, new technology, free time, and free choice. These are also palpable signs of evil and indicate a fundamental disorder in social organization and personal life. And I would just say again, we're so inundated with the signs of disorder and evil that we read about them daily. Listen to them. From, listen to these stories from well-groomed and handsome TV personalities as they describe them and decry them. But we continue to live our life as if it goes on normally and no longer pay heed to the crisis of our time or to consider why we need a Redeemer and why we must proclaim Christ and live Christ. John Paul II will talk about the need to have a priority of ethics over technology, a respect for persons more than things, and a recognition of the superiority of spirit over matter. Those three priorities hearken to philosophical inquiries going back to Socrates and the Apology, but they are unheeded. Reason is weak and ineffectual. There is a deeper origin of the crisis, and I think we can take a clue from Solzhenitsyn, another great Slavic man of the spirit and literary man who said, men have forgotten God. Pope John Paul II also believes the signs point to our turning away from God. Solzhenitsyn worked through the political signs of the times to arrive at the core truth of the Redeemer of man. Pope John Paul II develops an experiential and phenomenological account that arrives at this truth. And like Solzhenitsyn, he does see signs and glimmers of hope. But there is certainly a tremendous responsibility, John Paul says, that falls upon the church and the believer. Just as there is a distinct but weighty responsibility that falls upon the political community and the citizen. There is a message and there is a path and it begins with the Redeemer of man. And that message is amplified for 26 years of John Paul II's leadership. The path is the way of man. It involves a proper understanding of conscience, education, and rights. But at the heart of it is the path of love. It is the path of Christ and the saints. It is the universal call to holiness and the sanctification of everyday life. That is the message of Vatican II. John Paul II, by putting forward the standard of Christ, also talks about natural law. So he said it's in our time our generation, the time, as he said, was approaching the end of the second millennium 
and now into the new millennium, that although it shows itself as a time of great progress, is a time of threat in many forms. And that's why the church must speak of this threat to all people and speak to people of goodwill and carry on a dialogue with them about it. That is what Vatican II's document Gaudium et Spes is all about. It is that modern, the modern situation has removed the objective demands of the moral order. It's reduced the requirements of justice and even more has forgotten social love. We are dealing here with that which found expression in the Creator's first message to man at the moment in which he was given the earth to subdue it. And this message was confirmed by Christ the Lord in the mystery of redemption and expressed in the Second Vatican Council in those chapters on the teaching that concerned man's kingship. That is to say, his call to share in the kingly function of Christ himself. As we will see at the end of Redemptor Hominus, that the essential meaning of kingship and dominion means service. But there is a dominion over the visible world that gives us a foundation for development of technology and progress on this earth. But that priority of ethics over technology and the primacy of the person over things or the superiority of spirit over matter, I would say constitute those three challenges that philosophy, theology, and politicians and us in our personal life must think about. It has to do with being over having, he said, being more rather than having more that self-development, relationships, prayer, should take precedent over acquisition of money, acquisition of land, or the cultivation of prestige. It's the materialism of our civilization, he says, that will drag us down and leads us into a new slavery. This is more than an abstract philosophy, he says, but the very dynamism of life with which he is concerned. It is now reflected very much in our consumer society. Pope Paul VI in Popularum Progressio set out a standard for true and authentic development. And John Paul II refers to it here. It is about an integral humanism. It's an awareness of the whole truth about man. And that includes the values of religion and contemplation. It includes education and good social order as well as the necessities of life. Thus John Paul II says that no truly human economy will be possible unless these forces that we have unleashed and developed are taken up into and directed and dominated by the deepest powers in man, which decide the true culture of peoples. These are the sources for man's true freedom and which will be capable of ensuring it in the economic field and all the fields that Gaudium et Spes speaks about as areas of concern.
These, of course, are culture, economics, politics, world peace, and the family. Economic progress, he says here, following Pope Paul VI, should not be isolated as a category, subordinating all of human existence to its partial demands, for this would suffocate the human person, break up society, and entangle itself in its own tensions and excesses. He finishes his reflections here by invoking our Lord and the consideration of the last judgment. Have you done these to the least of my brethren? This is particularly evident for us Christians when we recall this scene of the last judgment and the words of Christ related in Matthew's gospel. John Paul II says, the eschatological scene, have you fed the hungry? Have you clothed the naked? Our Lord's question should be applied to man's history. He says it must be a measure for human acts as an essential outline as we examine our conscience. I was hungry and you gave me no food. Naked and you did not clothe me. In prison and you did not visit me. These words become charged with an even stronger warning when we think that instead of bread and the cultural aid that should be offered to those in need, the new states or nations awakening to independent life are being offered weapons and means of destruction for wars that are not so much a requirement for defending their just rights, but a type of chauvinism. So John Paul II was concerned about the priorities of spending in the world, but he's not here to offer the policies, but to outline principles, and invites us to dig deeper into the crisis, to think about this recoil and threat of technology and the totalitarian attempts to eradicate liberty and self-degradation, these signs of our times. This question of modernity and the crisis of modernity is how some writers have approached the issue. In order to recover the ancient wisdom of Aristotle and Plato, John Paul II shares in this revival, if you will, of the philosophy of the ancients. Although he is open to the modern philosophy, particularly in its concern for liberty and self-reflection, but he thinks that liberty is now curtailed by social planning or squandered and made trivial by consumerism or now reduced by scientific theory or materialism. So the question of freedom and the value of liberty are important points that he thinks this turn to the Redeemer of man and the consideration of Christ have a very 
profound thing to offer to the modern world, to give us a way to encounter the modern philosophical ideas from Descartes about the mastery of nature or the Machiavellian idea of the expediency to do evil and the manipulation of mass men, the, again, the acquisition of wealth as put forward by Locke and other modern political philosophers. There is something in the ancient philosophy that appeals to John Paul II, that holds out the contemplative ideal in philosophy. Ancient political philosophy also shunned tyranny, most of all. The life of virtue in one degree or another and friendship is the stuff of human flourishing. The rediscovery or recovery of these philosophical truths would serve as a check on the unbounded pursuit of liberty and quest for mastery. But John Paul II also thinks we need the rediscovery of the message of Christ. He doesn't stop with the philosophical analysis of the crisis of our times, but goes to the true depth. The true depth we learn from the gospel, we learn from St. Augustine, that we must go beyond philosophy and listen to St. Paul and read the gospel. This is what we saw in sections 8 and 9 of the Redeemer of Man about the futility of creation. So here is John Paul II, a concluding thought for us. Quote, are we of the 20th century not convinced of these overpoweringly eloquent words of the apostle of the Gentiles concerning the creation that is groaning in travail until now and waits with eager longing for the revelation of the sons of God, the creation that was subjected to futility. Does not the previously unknown immense progress which has taken place in the course of this century in man's dominion over the world revealed to a previously unknown degree that manifold subjection to futility. That's from the Redeemer of Man, section 8. And here we have the crisis of our time, I think, brought to its true measure. It is that of human, the fall of man, the disorder of our appetites, the lack of love, and the need to be linked back to the wisdom of God and to live the love of God, which comes through Jesus Christ, the Redeemer of man. We hope you enjoyed listening to Catholic Thinkers. Please visit us at catholicthinkers.org forward slash donate to help us keep this content free.